Just some love. Amen? Well, praise the Lord, I do sense a lot of love going on, so that's awesome. You know, can we have the lights? I think we're still off with um, uh, lights here. It's a bit dark in here. And in the front up here, one more. Okay, there we go. Praise the Lord. Now we can see, now I can see. So uh, praise God for that. Um, just a couple of quick announcements. One, uh, for those of you that uh, don't have any plans, is uh, this Sunday evening, am I correct? Sunday evening. Uh, we are having a night of fellowship there in, uh, at, uh, at the second campus there in, uh, in West Covina, so you're more than welcome to come and enjoy and fellowship with one another. I figured that this would be a great time to, to just come together. I mean, we've been so busy with this church and the, and the second campus, I figured, you know what, well, let's just come together, let's just enjoy one another. As, as we know in Acts 2.42, the church grew and multiplied as a fellowship with one another. And so that is a very important when it comes to the church. So I figured let's just have a night of fellowship, enjoying one another and just uh, coming together as a body, both uh, La Puente and West Covina. And in addition to that, uh, for the men's retreat, there is still time if you still want to sign up and want to be a part of our of our men's retreat, uh, the price did go up to $130, uh, but there is still time to sign up. It's going to be an awesome time there at Big Bear. We're going to be gone for the weekend, and it's just going to be a time of, uh, of just allowing the Spirit of the Lord to transform us as we gather together as men, allowing the Spirit of the Lord and His Word to speak to us, transform us as we're away from the busyness of, uh, of, our, uh, of our home life. And so uh, hopefully you can be a part of that. And I think uh, that's it for the announcements. Uh, we do have uh, a women's fellowship that's coming, a women's Bible, sh- uh, Bible study. We do have also the women's discipleship as well as the men's discipleship. If any of you would like to be a part of that, uh, you can always go to the back and they can give you information at the info desk. And with that, I think that's it for the announcements. Any new visitors? Any, anybody new for the first time? Aside from uh, Renee that we all know. Uh, Anyone else? No? Okay, well, praise the Lord. Let's pray and let's allow the Lord to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just uh, your glorious word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for just the lessons that you're going to teach us this evening, Lord. For your word is filled with such great examples, such lessons for us. The things to do, the things not to do. And we know, Lord, that it is your word that equips us for every good work. And I pray that we allow it to correct us, rebuke us, reprove us, instruct us, Lord. 
for your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we continue to pray for our communities, Lord, both here uh, in this city, Lord. We pray that, that, Lord, that your spirit would fall afresh upon it, that there would be an awakening, Lord, a desire for you and more of you, Lord. I pray for a desire for Jesus and their desire to repent of their sins so that you can set them free. And we do pray for our hearts, Lord, that are within this church, Lord, that you continue to revive our hearts, that you continue to bring life into our hearts, Lord, a new zeal, a passion for you like never before, Lord. For we know, Lord, that our redemption draws near, Lord. We know that you're coming soon. And, Lord, it's so important for us to finish strong. Help us to have that in our mindset, Lord, to finish strong, Lord. And so we just give it all to you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. Speak to us now through your word. By your spirit, open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to, ex, uh, to Esther chapter 7. And as you're opening your Bibles to Esther chapter 7, we come to, the amazing, to an amazing turn of events uh, for the Jews and also for the wicked Haman, you know, the Hitler of the Persian Empire. You know, we have uh, just a turn of events. And, and really what we're going to focus on today is is really the times, the hours, the days, the months when God is silent. How many of you have experienced this time when, when you're just not hearing from God and, and you're just like, Lord, I mean, I'm going through these trials, I'm going through these problems, I'm going through these issues, and, and where are you, Lord? You know, whatever's happening in your life, you know, whatever you're going through, understand one thing, that God is watching, even though He's silent. Even though he may be silent, it doesn't mean that he's absent, so remember that. And so as we go through these, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, some of the trials that we go through. You know, when God is silent, as I mentioned to you, maybe at your job, maybe you're, you've been the focus of attacks at your job, maybe you're the, the one that everyone seems to be pointing fingers at and you know that you're not doing any of these things, and, or maybe you're not the one that's, uh, that's catching on so quickly and and yet you're doing a good job, but yet uh, there seems to be attacks that are, that are coming at you. Or maybe you're with your family, and, and maybe you're the only one that's in the faith, and you just feel like you're being attacked and, and bombarded and just uh, persecuted because of your faith, and, and you sense that your family may be just uh, pointing fingers at you and making you feel like you're not wanted and, and making you feel bad because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Or... You know, maybe there's just trials that you're going through, major trials, and they just don't let up. And, and you know what? And the giants, they just seem to be screaming louder and louder at you, and they seem like they're just going to destroy you. And the, the storms that are so tumultuous at this moment, where you're thinking to yourself, man, am I ever going to get out of this? Lord, where are you? How come you're not listening? How come you're not stopping these things from happening in me? And you wonder where God is at this time. And... <clears throat> You're asking the Lord, Lord, why are you allowing these things to happen to me? You see, I'm falling apart. You see, I can't take this anymore. You see, I don't have any more strength to keep going on. And why have you allowed this? Why are you so silent? Where are you, God? Well, I want to remind you that today is the day that the Lord is going to remind us and encourage us that He never leaves us or forsakes us, that He is there to deliver us, and also that in His delivery He has perfect timing. I want to start off by reading this scripture to you. And it was given to Joshua. Remember, Joshua had the task of now leading the, 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 the Jews, the Israelites, into the promised land. 
I mean, going into a land where there were giants, going into a land where there were enemies, and, and yet God had promised that land. And, and these were the words that were given to Joshua. He says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Remember that that's for all of us that are going through the trials, through the problems, through the issues, through the storms, through the fires of life. Remember the Lord is with you. Remember He was there with, with Daniel's three friends, his buddies. Remember that He was there with Daniel. And you know what? He goes in the fire with you. He's, he's in the storm with you. You know, as the apostles would go into the Sea of Galilee and the tumultuous storms, the Lord was with them. And His promise to all of us is that He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Do we take Him at that promise? Do we believe it? And I know it's the most difficult thing to truly uh, understand this, especially when you're going through a problem. You're just like, Lord, I don't feel you. Lord, I don't sense you. But see, we're not a people of feeling. Remember that we are a people of faith and don't ever forget that. We've got to stop trusting our feelings. Feelings is not something that should be in our vocabulary. We shouldn't be saying, I feel this or I feel that. No, I believe this. I walk by faith. This is where I'm at. I believe in the Word of God. And I believe the feeling word is mainly used mostly with women but I hear a lot of men saying I feel this and I feel that stop saying you feel it either it's there or it's not you walk by faith and not by sight today's title of this message is when the silence is over when the silence is over remember that when the silence is over so let's begin to read here in Esther chapter 7 verse 1 it says so the king and Haman went to dine with Queen Esther let me just give you some updates. I stop here only to tell you what's going on. You know, we have here Queen Esther and we have the king and we have the wicked Haman. You know, this Haman man was the one that that brought the, just the, the law, the annihilation, the genocide of the Jews. And when we look at Esther, you know, he, you know, Esther was there. She was a Jew. She kept silent. She never told her, her king that she was of Jewish nationality. And, and Haman had convinced the king to annihilate the Jews, as we're told in Esther chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. And it was Haman that was ignited by the enemy, right? He's always, his only desire, the enemy's desire is to always take out the people of God, whether you're Jew or Christian. His desire is to destroy every single one of us. And so when they got word, this happened. Mordecai got word and he sends word to Esther and, and he tells Esther, it's time for you to defend your people. It's time for you to approach the king and to stop this evil plot and Mordecai tells Esther, he says, in Esther 4.14, he says, who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Such a time as this. Remember, we've been brought into this place for such a time as this. Many of you that live here in this city, you've been brought into this city for such a time as this. You've been brought into your jobs for such a time as this. You've been brought into existence for such a time as this. And so after Mordecai, which was her father figure, in reality, he was, he was a cousin to Esther, Mordecai was a cousin of Esther, but he was a much older man and an older cousin, and he was a father figure to Esther. And so Esther agrees. She agrees with Mordecai. 
She agrees to approach the, the king and this was a very life-threatening thing because not anyone could approach the king, whether you were queen or whoever you were. Just not anyone could go into the throne room of, of the king. And if you went in there if, and, and not being called by the king, your life was in jeopardy. But Esther says, you know what, I've been called for such a time as this. God has called me. I've been called to do what I've been called to do. And if I die, I die, she says. And so she goes to the king and and what's amazing about this, again, the king is so sovereign. I mean, God is so sovereign over all things. And so, as God is sovereign over all things, of course, he moves the heart of the king, and the king accepted Esther as she came into, into his place. And she, he agrees to hear her and to hear her burden. And so she's given an opportunity to reveal it, but Esther says, no, it's not timing. I can't reveal it to you. I want to have a banquet. And I'll reveal it to you at the banquet. And then they attend the banquet and, and the king says, tell me, what is it that you want, Esther? And Esther says, you know what? I'll tell you tomorrow. Let's have another banquet. And many people are saying, why, Esther? Why wouldn't you just tell her the first time? Why wouldn't you just reveal this? You know, your people are in jeopardy. Time is being wasted. There's no time to wait. But see, Esther had fasted. People were praying. Esther was being led by the Lord and she was waiting for the right time. And as we saw a couple of weeks ago, it was the right timing for Mordecai was honored by the king. But we know that that still didn't help the Jews, Mordecai or, or the queen. And so time was running out. Time was running out. How many of us are in trials where we think time is out? Time is running out. Things appear hopeless, right? Things appear like, you know, like there's just, I can't wait. I'm going through this problem. I'm going through these issues. The giants are there. The storm is hard. The fire is burning. It's close. I can feel it. And things are hopeless. You're asking the Lord, change things. You're telling Him, I can't take it. I'm falling apart. There's no way that I can keep going on. But I want to remind you one thing that in the Lord that God always has perfect timing. He has good plans for His children. Remember that. Remember in the Sea of Galilee. I mentioned that earlier. Remember when the disciples were in the boat and, and Jesus was in the boat? It's in Matthew chapter 8 and verses 23 to 27. The Lord is in the boat and He's sleeping and a heavy storm hits in the Sea of Galilee, and in the Sea of Galilee, this, this is the way things are, right? It's a humongous lake, but when the storms come, there are heavy storms, and, and this was a storm where they thought, the disciples thought, you know what, that's it, we're going to pass on, we're going to die, and so they're saying, Jesus, wake up, save us, we're about to die. And what does Jesus do? He wakes up and he rebukes the storm, and it stops. Remember that, that's the power that Jesus has. And He has perfect timing. He knows when to calm the storm. And we're constantly reminded not to worry. As He tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How many of us are always looking for tomorrow's problems? 
Well, what if tomorrow I don't have this? Or, or what happens if this problem continues? Or the, the, they keep coming at me? Or all these problems continue to consume me? What am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do next month? Well, guess what? Don't worry about that and just place your faith in Jesus Christ. And believe me, what I'm saying is so easy to do. Believe me, I fall short of this too. But these are the lessons that the Lord wants to teach us. You know, as Paul would say, I'm content whether I have or have not. It's not an easy thing to do. But these are the things that the Lord is asking us to do. Believe me, God knows when to bring down the giant with the, with the stone. He knows when to calm the waters. He knows when to stop, to put out that fire from scorching you. He knows exactly when to do what He needs to do. Though God is silent, remember this, He's never absent. It says He was in the boat, He was sleeping. Who knows that the Lord was snoring, right? And you figure, to, you figure, you know what, they wake him up and boom, the storm is out. Even though he's silent, remember this, it doesn't mean that he's absent. It doesn't mean that he's absent. As we were told in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, that he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And so as we return back to Esther, Queen Esther has shared the second banquet for the king and Haman and and it was at the banquet that, that she was about to share her burden. She's about to share the burden. You know what? It's taken her a few days to share this, right? I mean, it hasn't been easy. Can you imagine what Esther's going through? How many of us have had to deliver a tough message or have had to ask something very difficult? You know what, when this message, when you have to deliver this message, right, how many of you are constantly are praying or you're asking people to pray for you, right? It's a tough message and you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to give this message or I need something? How am I going to ask for it? And you're praying and you're praying, right? And you're asking people, pray for me. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. And I need prayer. I need prayer. I need prayer because I can't do this and I need the Lord's strength to help me to do this. That's where Esther was. This wasn't an easy thing for her to do. Think about that. This wasn't an easy thing for Esther to do. This was a, 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 a message that brought anxiety and stress. Imagine. This was a message that was going to save the lives of her people. And guess who she was coming against? the right-hand man of the king, his trusted servant. Who is the king going to side with? Is he going to side with his queen, his wife, or is he going to side with his most trusted companion? Where's his loyalty? We saw his loyalty to, to, uh, to the first queen, right? I mean... Remember the queen that he was married to? Remember Vashti? Remember what, uh, what he did with Vashti? He kicked her out, right? When she didn't come and he requested her. So, of course, these thoughts are going through Queen Esther. Is his loyalty going to be with me or is his loyalty with his men? So it wasn't an easy thing for the queen. The life of her people are in jeopardy. Her own life is in jeopardy. 
It's not an easy thing. And so, she's about to ask a question. Let's read verse 2. It says, And on the second day at the banquet of wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Up to half the kingdom? It shall be done. The king asked the queen, What is your petition? What's your request? This is the third time that the king has asked her the same thing. And the king lets the queen know, if you want half the kingdom, it's going to be granted to you. I mean, he wasn't going to give her half the kingdom, but this was an expression that he was willing to extend whatever she wanted. And you can only imagine the warfare that's going on at this very moment when the question is asked. Imagine the warfare that's going on in the mind of Queen Esther. Remember, it's the enemy, right? The enemy is the one that ignited Haman to destroy the Jews. And don't you think he's very active in attempting to stop Esther from revealing the truth? Imagine what's going on in her mind. Now we know the mind is a powerful thing, right? And the enemy knows how to penetrate that mind. He knows how to speak to your mind. He knows how to speak to you, to deceive you and to lie to you, to discourage you, to make you doubt. He's so good at these things, right? He's been a master at it. And the warfare that the queen is going through. Do I speak out? Do I say anything? Or do I keep this silent? You can imagine her heart, how it's beating. Believe me, these are those times that the only strength you have is in the Lord. When you're weak, the Lord is strong. I remember the other day, that's all I kept saying, Lord, I'm weak, but you're strong. I can't do this, but you can. There's no way that I can continue to go on. I'm weak, but I know that you're strong and that's what I depend on. Remember, when we talk about this warfare in your mind, I've shared this scripture with you many times. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 tells us to hold every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I want to share this with you. Men, women, and especially women, you have a way that the enemy loves to, to just attack your emotions. And your emotions take you everywhere. It works on men too. But predominantly women. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Esther here. Your emotions are going crazy because you don't know what's right, what's wrong. And the enemy is just leading you everywhere. And you've got to come back and just hold these thoughts captive. Go back to God's Word. What is God telling me? That's what I depend on. Not my emotions that are telling me to do this or to do that or to think this way or to think that way. I've got to hold my thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And that's what we do. And so let's read. How does the queen respond? Verse 3 says, then, the, then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would not have held my tongue, although the enemy could never compensate the king's loss. The queen responds. The courage, the strength, and the wisdom of Esther. 
She just didn't break down crying. How many of you, and you know what, and we're talking about Queen Esther. And I just want to give you her as an example. How many of you have, have been just holding things in and, and you're, you're, you're just so stressed out about the message that you've got to give and all of a sudden you give it and all of a sudden you have these rivers of tears just coming out of your eyes. Women, have you been there? It happens. I want to remind you of one thing. With Queen Esther, she held her peace, self-control, the wisdom, the courage. And she tells, or she asks, King Xerxes, she says, if you're pleased with me, spare my life and the lives of my people. We've been sold to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. She's telling us exactly what the devil does, right? John 10.10 tells us the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to what? To destroy. Isn't that what she's saying right now? She's revealing this to King, uh, to King Xerxes. And what's amazing about what she says is that if we were just sold as slaves, it would be no big deal. I, wouldn't, I would remain silent. For why would I disturb you with such matters as this? But the fact that we've been called, we've been sold, we are now on the verge of annihilation. We are on the verge of destruction. Imagine the courage, the wisdom. Let me remind you, she didn't say this before, but she says it now. She says it now. When we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7, you know what it tells us? It tells us that there's a time to speak and a time to keep silent. How many of us exercise this? Esther knew when it was time to speak. She just didn't allow her, 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 her words just to come out like a, you know, like just a, uh, <laughs> a rudder just going on and, and spewing out all these things. No, she knew exactly what to say. And she didn't have to give more. She just had to speak these things. And so how does the, rea the, the king react to this? Verse 5 tells us, so the king, so King Ahasuerus, he's the same as King Xerxes, answered and said to Queen Esther, who is he and where is he? Who would dare presume in his heart to do such a thing? In other words, he's furious. He's saying, who would dare to do such a thing? Who would dare to touch you? Imagine it's out. All this time, all this fasting, all these prayers, the relief that Queen Esther is going through. Esther just didn't come out and say, you know what? Haman ordered our annihilation, but she presented the situation and she allowed the king to ask who would do such a thing. It just wasn't coming out and accusing Haman and, and giving him time to prepare and time to, to come back and answer. No, she said it just with great wisdom, with great courage, just presenting a situation that there's, that there's somebody, that we, that me, that the Jews have been called to destruction. And she allows the king to ask, who would do this? Who would dare to take out my queen? 
So verse 6 says, And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is the wicked Haman. So Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Esther says it's Haman. He's the wicked enemy. And as Haman was listening, what was his reaction? He heard Esther say this, right? What was his reaction? He was terrified. It says he was terrified before the king and queen. How the tables have turned. Remember, just a few days ago, in Esther chapter 5, verse 11, Haman was bragging about his riches. He was bragging about his children. He was bragging about his promotion. He was bragging about his advancement. He was bragging about all these things and now he's terrified how the tables have turned. And you know what? I love what Queen Esther doesn't say. As the king is there, she doesn't tell the king, you allowed this. You allowed my people to be destroyed. You gave Haman the opportunity, the right, the power to destroy my people. It was you that did it, king. She doesn't say that. She keeps silent. Why? Look at what it says in Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. You know what? A fool will spew out all kinds of thoughts. Everything that's in his heart. Everything that's in his mind. But as we see here, a wise man holds him back. A wise man knows how to hold back. A wise man knows how to be selective on what he says. Esther was selective on what she said. She knew exactly how to respond. She didn't have to accuse her husband of, of bringing this upon her people. She just says, you know what? I'm going to let you take care of it, Lord. Do we ask the Lord, may I say what you want me to say, Lord? Do we ask the Lord, Only speak what needs to be spoken, Lord. Are we selective in what we share? I don't think any of us want to be fools here, and I think this is a very important lesson for all of us. Share what you need to share. Hold back what doesn't matter. Many of us, many times, put our foot in our mouth, don't we? And there's some that do it more than others, right? May we learn. May we learn. Be wise, be selective. Ask the Lord to direct your words. Verse 7 goes on to say, Then the king arose in his wrath from the banquet of wine and went into the palace garden. But Haman stood before Queen Esther pleading for his life. 
for he saw that evil was determined against him by the king. The king left into the garden, but Haman stays in the room pleading for his life. Haman knew that his plans were exposed. He knew that the days were numbered. He saw the eyes of the king looking at him, and he knew that his days were numbered. But why did the king leave? Think about that. Why would the king walk out? We know one thing about King Xerxes. He was a hothead too. But I think he had much guilt here because he knew it was he that allowed this. It was he that that gave Haman the power and the right to do this to the Jews. He's probably walking out and thinking, what am I going to do now? How can I resolve this? I knew it. You know, this is a very important lesson for us. You know, when it comes to people that are in our path, when you know that there's something wrong with that person, God reveals, God gives us insight. I want to share with you, this has happened to me in times past where, where you know what, where you know these people that are coming to your life, that you discern something's not right, and God reveals these things, and many times what happens, we ignore them, don't we? And then we're bitten later. They come to bite us, they're hypocrites, they're liars, they're deceivers. They're in it for themselves, they're all for their own agenda, they have selfish ambition. This was Haman. For us as believers, the enemy sends people into our lives and the reason why they're in our lives is to destroy us, to, take, to hinder our walk with the Lord, to take us out, to make you sin. And the Word of God, He tells us, you know what? Why do you hang out with these people? I've seen so many of that going on in this church. Guys coming in, taking girls. It happens. You see girls falling into sin. You see guys falling into sin. And God gives us this insight. God gives the revelations, but yet we ignore them. We trust our emotions instead of the discernment that the Lord gave us. We've got to be very, we've got to ask the Lord for discernment. We've got to ask the Lord to reveal to us these people. And He will. Pray about people that come into your lives that you know something's wrong or something's not right. Don't let your emotions take the best of you. Your emotions are so crazy. They're up and down like the waves of the sea, coming to and fro, leading you here, leading you there. But the Word of God is what we stand on. It is a rock that we rest on. It is a rock that we can stand on, that when the storms come, we're not going to be washed away. You know, as we see this, right? And believe me, when you see these hypocrites, when you see these deceivers, when you see these liars, 
Address them. Call them out. That's what we're instructed to do in Matthew chapter 18, 15, right? It tells us to call them out. Why? So that we can expose them. Protect the church. Protect the body. Protect yourselves. As we keep reading on, let's finish the chapter. It says in verse 8, it says, When the king returned from the palace garden to the place of the banquet of wine, Haman had fallen across the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, Will he also assault the queen while I'm in the house? As the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbonay, one of the eunuchs, said to the king, Look, the gallows, 50 cubits high, that's 75 feet high, which Haman made for Mordecai, who spoke good on the king's behalf, is standing at the house of Haman. Then the king said, hang him on it. And so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's wrath was subsided. Let me give you a quick update, a quick overview. The king comes back into the room. And Haman actually slipped and he fell on the queen's chair while she was sitting on it. So it appeared that Haman was attempting to hurt the queen. And so the king shouts and he says, will he also assault, assault my, my wife, my queen while I'm in the house? And when he shouts at his servants, the palace servants come in and they cover the face of Haman. And then one of the eunuchs says, you know what? The king, over at Haman's house, you can see it over there, there's a 75-foot gallow that was prepared for Mordecai and it's available. And so the king says, hang him. So they hung Haman on the gallows that were prepared for Mordecai. The silence of God. When the silence is over. That's what we're talking about here. It's over. It's done. You didn't hear God throughout this event, did you? His name isn't even mentioned in this book. But yet... You see how God moved. Though he was silent, he wasn't absent. Remember this, God has his perfect timing. See, those giants that are in your face ready to destroy you, God will take them out with a stone. Remember, God will calm the waters. God will put out the fires. I want to leave you with this scripture and then I'm going to give you three points. Isaiah 54 verse 17, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, the Lord shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness is for me, says the Lord. The comfort that we are to receive with the giants, with the storms, with the fire with all of these trials that are here to destroy you, remember, no weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper. No weapon. He doesn't say some weapons. He says what? No weapon. Take comfort in that. And so what can we learn from all of this? I'm going to summarize basically what I've given you. The first is this. God is never absent. 
Remember that God is never absent. Remember that if there's anything you want to take away are these three points. And the first point is this. God is never absent. Though God is silent, He is never absent. We know that God's silent. We see it in our own lives. And not only in our own lives, but even David. King David experienced this. Look in Psalms 22 verse 2 where he says, Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. Where are you, God? I'm crying out. You see the trials. I can't take them anymore, Lord. I don't hear from you. I'm still in my trial. I'm still in this where the giants are here and the storms are here and the fires are here. Where are you, God? But he reminds us in the New Testament, Hebrews 13, verse 5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that. He is never absent. The second point is this. And it's a summary of what we said. Point number two, God will deliver you. No matter what you're going through, God will deliver you. And I want to prove this through the scriptures. In Proverbs 11, verse 8, he reminds us of these. And these are the scriptures that we are to take comfort in. And whenever you're going through a problem or a giant or a storm or a fire in your life, remember this. He says that the righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. Isn't that awesome? That whatever they're trying to do to you, God is going to bring it to them. The New Testament version of this is Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. I've shared this story many times. I remember, and I'll make it quick because we're running out of time here. One, two, three, four. Four men. When I used to work at, the, at my previous job, every single one of those four men wanted me fired because I was a believer. They made my hard life. I mean, they made my heart, my life hard at my job. And they would say these things to my boss and they would say these negative things and they would make up stories and, and you know what, it was tough. And they would, you know what, isolate me and they would just, you know what, laugh at me and when I didn't go out with them and party, they'd make fun of me and the next morning they'd start saying these things about me. They wanted to fire me. And what's amazing about this is that those four men were all fired from the job. That's the Lord. Remember that. The righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. Final point is this. God has perfect timing. God has perfect timing. King David, 15 years before he became king, running from Saul, why? God wanted to make sure that the heart of David did not have the heart of Saul. Joseph, 26 years, a slave and a prisoner. And some of you are saying, man, that's a long time. I don't want to go through my trials for 15 or 26 years. Do you remember that man that 
he was a servant of the high priest and Peter cut off his ear. The Lord replaced his ear within a matter of minutes. I want to remind you of this. Yes, we're going to go through trials. Every single one of us. Every believer in this place will go through trials. I think many of us can identify with these. You can look back in your life. You can meditate on your life. And you see the trials that you've been through. But trials don't last forever. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Remember this, trials are never meant to last. And trials are never meant to destroy you. Trials are meant to build you up and to build up your faith. The only way to make you complete in your faith is to go through the trials. If you want to be a, a man, perfect. Perfected by his trials. Growing in his faith. Trusting in the Lord you got to go through the trials. I hate to say this to all of us, but there's some of us that are going to face heavy trials. There's some of us that already faced heavy trials. And some of us that will face heavy trials again. But remember this, God is building your faith. God is building the man and the woman inside of you to be strong in Him, to be trusting in Him, to shine like silver and gold that passes through the fire. As he says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. For trials, God uses them to build up the man and the woman inside. It's not the outside, it's the inside that matters to the Lord. And the only way to make you into that man or woman of God is he has to chip away. Chip away those things that don't glorify him. But yet the things that glorify him is your faith, is your perseverance, is your trust and your faith in him. And this is what he builds up so that you can shine and you can bring him glory and honor. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just the lessons the fact is that you are silent, Lord, but you are never absent. The fact is, Lord, that, that you will deliver us no matter what. And the fact is, Lord, that you have your perfect timing. Lord, I thank you for just your message, Lord. Reminding us, just like with Esther, when it's over, it's over. You're working behind the scenes, Lord, even though we don't see you, Lord. And, and we see these things happening, Lord. When they unfold, you're just, we're just like, Lord, you were there all the time. Even though you were silent, you were certainly there. You will never leave us nor forsake us. I want to pray for those of you that And maybe you're going through the trials. Maybe your faith is being tested. Maybe the inward man is still, still needs growth. And yet you, you fight it. You fight the trials. You're fighting God through your trials. 
Remember this. Though he's silent, he's still there. I want to pray for you. That when you're weak, he is strong. That you would allow him to carry you. He promises that he won't let the fire scorch you. He won't let the rivers overtake you. He won't let the giants touch you. Do we believe? Lord, help us with our unbelief. This is so hard. It is so, so hard. If you need prayer, I'm going to ask you now to stand up and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for these that are standing, Lord. Lord, you know specifically what they're going through. I don't. You see it, Lord. You know it, Lord. But they need you, Lord. Lord, they know that you are real. They've trusted in you. But it's difficult, Lord, when the trial hits. It's difficult, Lord, during these times. Lord, I pray for your mercy and your grace during this time. I pray that you strengthen the inner man. I pray that as Esther saw, the tables turned so quickly that the tables would turn in their trials, Lord. Lord, we leave that up to you for you have your perfect timing. You know when to do things. And we don't ask you to rush anything. We just ask for your strength. We pray that you build their faith and their trust in you. And I pray that their lives would magnify and glorify you, Lord. Lord, we humble ourselves before you, standing before you, inviting you into our situation, asking you, Lord, for help in this time of need. And we know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Move powerfully, move greatly, be glorified, be magnified. Do a great and a glorious work, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.